Welcome to the Taylor and Jen podcast. Mornings with Taylor and Jen. Can we just go on record right now? I actually think he's being weird about food. No. He's putting too much of an emphasis on crackers. The crackers are important. Life 107.1. Jen, I have a confession to make. Taylor. This is a safe place. Tell me what you did, and I'll just make sure I tell everybody that I know. I kind of messed up dinner last night. Oh, well, little... you know, we all have kitchen fails. It's okay. You know, it was it, it was soup night. We looked out at the weather, and it was like, this is a night to just drink hot food. I mean, I, I, I had soup last mm-hmm. night. My guess is four out of five oh, Iowans yeah. had soup last night. And we've got this great recipe for chicken and wild rice soup. And oh, so I was... It's uh, not open up a can and pour it in? No, oh. no. It's it's the ingredients. Wait homemade. You made homemade soup last yeah, night? Yeah, I did. Where is it in the break room? Why isn't there any there to share with Jen? Because I'm going to eat it home so you don't steal it. Okay, so how could you possibly mess up chicken and wild rice? Well, I was set up to fail from the beginning because I went to the store and I'm picking up all the ingredients. I've got the wild rice. I've got the carrots. I've got the celery. I've got the mushrooms and the shallots and the chicken. The chicken. Yeah, that was important. Well, then I went to the cracker aisle, and they didn't have the right crackers, Jen. What do you mean the right crackers? Cracker soup pairing is incredibly important, and this chicken and wild rice soup needs those long rectangular crackers. I can't remember the brand name, but I can picture them in my head, and they've got like an everything bagel type uh, topping on them, and those like sesame seeds and poppy seeds and all the seeds pair so well with the veggies and the Greek yogurt and all the wonderful tastes of my chicken and wild rice soup. Do you see how I'm looking at you right now? Yeah, well, I don't... What what did I say that was weird? Did I mispronounce something? No. There is a specific cracker that you have to eat with a soup. Oh, Jen, every soup has a cracker that is best with it. Am I being punked? No, this is is a real thing. Are you serious over there? Different crackers and different chips for every soup. This kind of stuff matters, Jen. Can we just go on record right now? I actually think he's being weird about food. No. He's putting too much of an emphasis on crackers. The crackers matter, Jen. The The crackers are important. One thing we can agree on. This is definitely soup weather. Absolutely. You had soup last night. Mm-hmm. I had soup last night. But you think your soup was ruined because you had the wrong crackers? I, I had the wrong crackers. I mean, they were okay crackers, but there's a certain type of cracker that works best. And Jen, before you call me crazy, I'm not the only one who has specific toppings for specific soups. I just wanted to let you know that the only way to eat potato soup is with white toast. Both my grandmas and my mom, we grew up, you toasted white bread and you cut it up and you put it in your potato soup. Oh, wait you a minute. in the soup. Taylor oh. is not crazy. Thank you. <laughs> I just want to get this straight. Is this homemade potato soup? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. oh yeah. But it's store-bought white bread? Yes, and it's got to be the cheap white square bread. Not Naturally. wheat, not honey oat nut. It's got to be just plain old cheap white toast. Naturally. <laughs> white bread. I love people's <laughs> yes. soup traditions. That's, That's so awesome. good. Yes, and it's only potato soup. We don't put toast in any other soup. No, potato. no, why would other soups have special crackers. So apparently I've been playing fast and loose with soup. You have? I mean, I didn't realize that we're, I mean, people like Taylor 
have to have a certain pairing of certain crackers with certain soups. I did not realize this was a thing. For me, soup is soup. And if I happen to have crackers, woohoo, I don't really care what kind they are. I think it's very important. There are certain soups that need certain crackers and certain toppings. And we want to know how you think I'm right. (laughs) My dad makes his famous tomato soup. And we have oyster crackers that have garlic on them. Garlic and herbs. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have to eat tomato soup with the garlic and herb crackers. Have to. I would not argue with that. Yeah, that's Tomato soup needs a little extra crunch in it for me anyway, and that's the perfect crunch to put in there. See, I always thought that tomato soup should be paired with grilled cheese sandwiches. Yes, yes. Grilled cheese sandwiches are better in cream of mushroom soup. No. Yeah. No! You dip it, you dip ah, it. You took it too far. You dip it in the cream of mushroom. <laughs> no. And it's amazing. No, no, no. Taylor. No. <laughs> That's the title of my memoir. No, Taylor, no. no. Taylor, no. <laughs> I'm always happy when we feature a topic that just shows you how strange Taylor really is. Okay, this I think this is a good idea. You have your cream of mushroom soup handy, and then you dip your grilled cheese sandwich in it. No. And it's perfect. No, 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 no. You are ruining an American tradition. How do you feel about that, Howard? I've lived many decades. This is literally the first time I've ever heard anyone eating cream of mushroom soup as soup. Oh, yeah. You you dump it in your casserole. You use it for uh, Swiss steak. I have never heard of anyone actually eating it as cream of mushroom soup. Well, I was a college student working eight hours a week. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it is called soup. Yeah. Yeah. So is cream of chicken. I've never heard of anybody eating cream of chicken soup either. Well, I was also a college student who'd never cooked for himself before. (laughs) I like mushrooms and I like cream and this soup is cheap. There you go. (laughs) Dr. Heidi, I think many of us would like to believe that we are superheroes. Uh We have broad shoulders that can handle the weight of the world and you can keep on adding and adding and adding and it's never going to be an issue until all of a sudden you realize you are a human being with real limits. It's true. And this week was one of those weeks for me where literally I was shoving things into the refrigerator and things fell out the other side and broke everywhere. And metaphorically, I was shoving things into the refrigerator and things were falling out the other side. Like the refrigerator of your own life. Things were breaking. I left the stove on. You know, when I left the house, it was, you know, still warm when I came back. (laughs) Thankfully, nothing burned down. It was like thing after thing was like, you know what? I need a moment. And when my son went back to school, I literally sat in the middle of my messy kitchen and I just sat Oh, because I needed a moment. And that slowing down is an important part of knowing that you've hit your limit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sure is. Yep. Because we That's all have That's what them. I've been missing, the yep. slowing down part. <laughs> Sit down in your kitchen, Jen. Yeah. <laughs> we all have them. We don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like that I have limits. I like to do all the things. I like to get all the things done. I don't particularly like to come home and find that I've left my stove on. No. Like, it's not a great feeling. You don't particularly like to drop salsa all over your son's new backpack? I don't. I don't. You know, and it's really <laughs> awkward when he's in the car and he's like, Mama, what's this on my backpack? I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, buddy. I got up salsa all over it. Like, I hope you don't mind, you know, because it didn't clean off as well as I thought it did. I think it's really good for us to hear that Dr. Heidi, the psychologist, does these things too. I'm human. We're all human, right? And so we have a choice. Do we punish ourselves? Do we 
talk down to ourselves? Are we self-judgmental about it? Or do we recognize like this is information and this is information that I need to slow down. Mm. It's information that I'm trying to do too much and I literally need to just breathe. That's my goal for this week. I'm just going to try to breathe a little bit more and drink more water. Less coffee, more water. I think the thing I've learned about myself is often when I am pushed to my limit, it's because I'm trying to meet my own expectations of myself. Yes. Not something that anybody else has put on me, but these standards that I've given myself, they're just impossible. I love that because we think we should. There's so many shoulds. I should be doing this. I should be doing that. And we only have so many resources. And especially when the world has lost its mind, those resources are depleted so quickly. And we have to recognize that there's only so much we can do. And maybe it means texting a friend and saying, hey, I'm really sorry. I can't do all the things. And your friend is going to say, I never expected you to. Yeah. Right. That, I mean, that's right. the thing. How do you get yourself to stop having such high expectations for yourself? We have to recognize that we have to own it. Knock it off. Own. Right. <laughs> Sit down, have a little counseling session with yourself. Self, get a grip. Right. <laughs> you cannot do five things today. You can do two. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. It is not worth doing all the things at the expense of our mental health and our houses. You don't want them to burn down. <laughs> no. That's, I think we can all agree on that one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think this is weird, but a lady at the store and my son both think this is weird. So your son and a stranger both think something's weird. <laughs> do you want to know what I do? I would love to know what you do that this person thinks is strange and eccentric. <laughs> I switch out the decorative pillows on my sectional couch for the seasons. See, I didn't know that was... A thing that was expected of people. So every season, every season, spring, summer, fall, Feels like it's Christmas, for fancy folks. And then there's also Christmas and then there's winter, post-Christmas. Winter, post Spring, what? summer, that's, fall. That's Christmas. more than seasons, Jen. That's no. whims. Yes. No. It's seasons plus <laughs> Christmas. I have different decorative pillows for all of those things. And I don't think that's weird. I think that's... Essential and fun. Well, I mean, you know my stance on decorative pillows already. Oh, no, please reiterate it. I want to hear it again. I don't like them. (laughs) I don't get them. Hey, it's Taylor and Jen. Who's this? This is Mandy from Pleasant Hill. How are you guys doing? Doing well, Mandy. Mandy from Pleasant Hill. So, do you change out your decorative pillows per season? No, I think decorative pillows are a joke. Oh, Oh, no! I was so hopeful when it was a woman that called. I was afraid when they I heard it was a woman. Overrated. Thank you. Way overrated. Oh, I like you. They're so much fun. It's a lot of work. And then you have to spend all that money on decorative pillows, so all these doors are going to charge you 30 bucks a pillow. That's way too much. Well, I, I will tell you this. I shop at consignment shops and thrift stores. Okay. And it's mostly because I have to support my pillow habit. <laughs> Still overrated. Awesome. I like you. Thanks for calling. I maintain they're harmless and they make me happy. So what's the problem with decorative pillows that I change out every season? I just think that's that's a lot of work. I am not a fan of decorative pillows at all, much less ones that you have to change out every few months. What do you think, Bryce? I'm siding with Jen. Really? Just because you felt sorry for me, right? No, I love decorative pillows. Thank really? you, Bryce. I think they brighten yes. up a room. And I have a friend who has a Christmas tree that she decorates for each holiday. See? She has one room 
that she changes for each season, and she decorates it with pillows and the Christmas tree and different decorative things. And it makes you happy, doesn't it, Bryce? Yes, it does. See, Bryce, well, I do think you're wrong. No, don't listen to him, Bryce. Decorative things are in. Yes. Oh. <laughs> I don't know what the big deal is. I mean, this is serious, Jen. It is well. This when matters it, when, when it comes to properly celebrating fall. I think one should change out their decorative pillows. Now, of course, this assumes that we have decorative pillows. I, I just, I'm not a fan of decorative pillows. Why uh, not, Taylor? Why not? It's just, it's too much work, Jen. Kathy has a totally different perspective on them, though. They're not decorative pillows. They are my cat thrones. Your cat thrones? <laughs> they are. I have four on my couch, and my diva Siamese cats mm-hmm. have decided that do not change them. Oh. Do not mess with them. Oh. They are arranged the way they should be arranged. <laughs> With the necessary dips in them. Yes. Where yes. They have laid and do not mess with them. <laughs> you know, we joke that one sure thing about central Iowa this time of year is that there's going to be construction. No matter what's happening yep. in the world, 2020 or not, there's going to be construction. Always constant. Well, no matter what's happening in our outside lives we are constantly under construction, too. Mm-hmm. And 2020 has actually given us the opportunity to kind of slow down and be more introspective because there's not as many outside things to catch our attention. Yeah. One of the things that I knew I needed to work on in my life is forgiveness. Um, sometimes I mistake denial Yep. And not thinking about something or somebody for forgiveness. Maybe if I just forget about it. Just shove it into that hall closet and slam the door closed so it can't poke through without actually dealing with it. But during the shelter in place times, mm-hmm. you know, those the, the more extreme times at the beginning of the pandemic, God made me pull those out of the closet yeah. and deal with them. I spent an awful lot of time. We've found in our own lives that it's really important to forgive yeah. because it's it's actually an opportunity for better things. I think we think about when you hear we should forgive, it's like you should pay your taxes or you're going to get in trouble. But it's a little bit more like we should forgive, like you should listen to this song because when you do, you're going to feel so much joy. Forgiveness is an opportunity for you to feel joy that comes from letting go of something that has been weighing on you and hurting you for a long time. In my head, I know that I have more people in my life that I need to forgive. Yeah. <laughs> especially, and it's hard, especially when they have uh, hurt you over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. You know, over it's one thing again. if it was just, oh, you know, somebody ran into my car or something like that. No, it's, it's more if it's over a long period of time. And, and, and it's, and it's hard to realize, especially when you think, you know, I'm a good person. It's hard to realize that you haven't forgiven somebody. Yeah. And it's important to forgive them, though, because it is better than the alternative. 
It is an opportunity for you to do something that is better for you than the alternative, which is harboring that unforgiveness. And I'd never thought of forgiving as an opportunity. It is an opportunity. But we've been reading this book, uh, Louis B. Smetta's The Art of Forgiving. It is a beautiful book about forgiveness from a, a Christian perspective. And he, he kind of writes, quote unquote, this letter from God to us about forgiveness. And I thought this was really beautiful. He says, there is a better way to deal with your memory of wrongful pain. Mm. This is an opportunity to do yourself a world of good. It will also put you in shape to do some good for the clod who hurt you and for a lot of other people besides. I call it forgiving. You really ought to try it. The fact is... As believers, we were meant to be together. We were not created to be islands. We were not created to be alone. The things that we do in our lives should be for the betterment of others, not for the betterment of ourselves. So many of the things that Jesus says, like, this is going to make you stand out. This is going to make people know who you are is our unity, our love for each other and forgiveness plays a really big role in that. Yes, because in order for you to be good and helpful and a blessing and have healthy relationships with anybody else in your life, you have to heal the hurt that's inside of you. You have to heal any hate that you have. And the way to heal that is forgiveness. And uh, Louis B. Smetas in his book, The Art of Forgiving, actually says hate can feel really good in the moment because it can be really self-righteous of going (laughs) over and over. It's like when you've got that sore tooth and you just have to keep on touching it with your tongue because it's like, oh, yeah, what he did was awful. Mm. That was wrong. I'm a victim. I need to, you know, and it's. Yes, it is awful. But when you keep on going over that over and over and over, it does something inside of you that only forgiveness can heal. Yeah. And that is it's a hard fact to have to accept. But then once you can heal that hurt with forgiveness, you can have beautiful, healthy relationships with other people. And when you have a God who knew how to forgive you, you've got a great example to look up to for how you can forgive others. This is how we test the Medal of Iowans. Mm. (laughs) I know we've had record-breaking cold. I know. But I won't turn on my heat. Nope. No way. No how. Nuh-uh. I am proudly a flipper back and forther. (laughs) We have the technology to be comfortable, so I'm going to be comfortable. We want to know how you handle your AC this time of year. I refuse to turn my heat on. Until? Until probably November. Temperature doesn't Whoa! matter. <laughs> Temperature doesn't matter. It's the month. <laughs> You're just going to live with it. That's how I grew up, and I'd rather have it turned off and get no bill. Yeah, I get it. It's also the principle <laughs> for me. I'm like, not in September and not this early. Absolutely. Get a heating blanket, and it won't matter. It's a really good thing it's going to heat up this weekend. Because I refuse to turn on my heat. Jen is a heat (laughs) avoider. uh, No, no, no. I am just holding the line. It's too early to turn on the heat in my home. I am of the mind that when I get uncomfortable, I'm going to change something with the HVAC. I am a flipper back and forther. Which are you, Sarah? I'm a flipper back and forther. Thank you. I will do it multiple times in the day if that's what it requires. (laughs) I don't like to be cold. I like to be comfortable. However, my husband is more like Jen. He does not want the air, the heat on. He feels that it's too early. My son called me the other day because he's the hybrid now, back and forth, and he said, Mom, 
it's 68 degrees in the house. Can I please turn on the heat? <laughs> and I said, yes. And I walked him through turning it on. Oh and then goodness. I talked to him about the burning smell. Don't worry about that. Just give it a minute. Mm-hmm. And then by the time I got home, because my husband gets home before me, my husband had turned off the heat and told my son he was ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> So this cold snap has presented us with quite the challenge. Presented you, I think. Well, I knew exactly what I was going to do. Well, yeah, but you and I disagree, and that's mm-hmm. so rare. I know. I mean. Usually, usually we line right up on these things. <laughs> Jen thinks that all you need to do through this is just grin and bear it and wait for the temperature to flip back. You're going to just not turn on your heat. I when don't want to turn on my heat. You know, we can all put on extra layers. I mean, that's that's kind of how it is because. I got to pay the bill. <laughs> I feel like it's going to be less expensive if I do minor adjustments here and there to make sure that I am as comfortable as I need to be. Hmm. What do you think, Lisa? It depends on the temperature. I do not turn it back and forth unless it gets below, you know, 60. 60? 60. That's your, that's your mark. 60? Well, it's 65 right now in the house. <laughs> But 60? Wow. I've been wearing layers. I've been wearing layers. <laughs> I even had my winter coat on in the house. Oh, my goodness. You go, girl. You stand firm. I can't even argue with you. I'm just impressed right and now. And when that bill comes and you open it up and it's like $3 cheaper than it could have been, you go have yourself an ice cream. The question on the table is this. Do you stand firm when we have these small little cold snaps and not turn on your heat? <laughs> or are you a flipper back and forther like Taylor? I am Team Taylor. Team Taylor. Flipper back and forther. All the way. What's your threshold? I mean, like how warm before you turn on the air and how cold before you turn on the heat? If I feel the least bit cold, <laughs> turn on the heat. Yep. It's not a numbers thing, Jen. It's a feel thing. It's a feel thing. You know it in the depths of your heart. It's like, I need to be more comfortable than I am this second. (laughs) All right. So this I need to hear. What made you feel like you were seven years old all over again? Jen, there was a series of books that when I was a child, I read them. I listened to the audio cassette book on tape on all the long road trips. (laughs) And they were called Hank the Cowdog. Okay, so what made you so nostalgic for Hank the Cowdog? Because they're making a podcast that's like a radio drama adaptation of these books. And Matthew McConaughey is doing the voice of Hank the Cowdog. Oh my word. Well, that sounds like it would be wonderful. So they have a little preview of it. And just if you read the Hank the Cowdog books, I think there are a few of us in this fandom. You need to hear this. It's me again. Hank the cow dog. Every book started with that phrase. It was your typical spring day, nothing out of the ordinary. Calm, bright, a little on the warmish side. The air full of cotton from the cottonwood trees. Myself, I was up in the machine shed, hard at work, sleeping. Now, since Loper and Sally May had left the ranch the day before on a mysterious trip to a place called Hospital, I made the decision to double up on night patrol, which meant I needed to double up on my day sleep. See, this is the oh most... Oh, my word. I can't, can I hear the rest? That's that's about all there is. There's, oh, not, there's no. not a whole lot yet, but they are doing a whole series, and you better believe I'm going to download every single one of those episodes. <laughs>
I love books. Mm-hmm. You love books. Love books. Books are awesome, especially those books that were so good when you were a kid that you would reread them as adults. A series that I would reread and still do with my kids is called What to Do When Your Mother or Father Says. So, like, what to do when your mother or father says, make yourself a meal or clean up your room. Okay, first of all, I had no idea that a series of books like this existed, (laughs) and I feel cheated that I parented two children into their teens without knowing it. (laughs) They're fantastic. I mean, you really liked them? Like, you liked them enough that you would actually reread them? Yes, and the cooking one has recipes. So my daughter actually learned how to cook scrambled eggs on her own based off the recipe, but she has actually pulled up the books before, too, the ones that says what to do when your mom or dad says go to bed. She made sure that I knew that her age group was supposed to get X amount of hours of sleep (laughs) and was just supposed to be more or less than her younger brothers. So when I said supposed to go to bed at the same time, she made sure I was aware of the fact that she didn't have to go to bed. Mom, oh, I've done the research. My word. I've got I my love kid her. encyclopedias. She's the oldest, isn't she? She is, yes. Yeah. I adore her. Sounds exactly like an oldest <laughs> child. I mean, if they brought such delight to you when you were a child, why not reread these books when you're an adult? What's that book you would reread, Steph? The monster at the end of this book. Oh, is that the is that the Grover book? Yes. From Sesame Street. From Sesame Street. That was my son's favorite book. And you would reread it? Oh, yeah. I would love that book. I don't now, think I read that Taylor one. Taylor doesn't know this because he's looking at me quizzically. I can guess the plot. I mean, Grover is the little blue monster. And you have to do the action. Just on the page. You know, you have to do all that, too. And then, and then, spoiler alert, Who's the monster at the end of the book? Furry old Grover. <laughs> oh. And then at the very last page, he's got this little saying that says, oh, I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> Books are like friends that you can revisit whenever Ooh, you want to. That's a nice quote. And when we're kids, we have more time to spend with these friends. And then as you get to be an adult... You know, we don't have that much time, but there are some good friends that you just got to make the time to spend with them. Do you have one that you could always go back to, Kay? Oh, my goodness. I still do Charlotte's Web. Oh, yes. You still reread it. Oh, I have my original book from childhood. They did an animated movie, and now there's a real live movie, and it just reminds me of the Powsheet County Fair Mm. and... Charlotte, I cry oh, every time. So do I. And now I have my granddaughters watching it, Yay! and we sit and cry together. That's adorable. <laughs> oh, I love it with all my heart. This has been the Taylor and Jen podcast. You can hear more from Taylor and Jen weekday mornings online at life1071.com or on the Life 107.1 app.